A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Hello, this is Father Thomas, and welcome to the Sprouting Stump podcast series, where we reflect on the readings that come to us from the Mass each day. When we take a little time to let the Spirit come upon us, a bud shall indeed blossom in our hearts, so we might be renewed in spirit and strengthened in faith, as we take this time together to enter into that beautiful word that comes to us from God. In his Ash Wednesday homily, Father Thomas explains how the three pillars of Lent help us to defeat our temptations and draw closer to God. Yesterday I was at a formation conference with priests and there was a speaker that was talking about the phenomena of mass attendance. And he had given us a a listing of the four most popular liturgical days of the year for mass attendance. I just wonder if anybody can guess what those four are. What's the first one? What's the fourth one? That's not a mass. Well, you'll never guess the fourth one, but actually, what was surprising about it is actually Christmas, we all pretty much grass, is actually the most popular attended day of the year. Number two place is Ash Wednesday. Third place is Mother's Day. Fourth is Easter. Now, the question becomes not how is it that when we expect Christmas and Easter to be actually in the top two. Sorry, fathers, mothers just put you out of the way because it's even more important than you are. But why is Ash Wednesday so popular? The deacon just told me before Mass that the, when he was down there in the poor old Florida, oh, oh my God, what a terrible place to be. Anyways, when he was down in Florida, apparently they had four Masses on Ash Wednesday and they were all full. So what is this that draws people down to look around Mary? I know it's not full here, but we had two other Masses that actually for our parasites actually had pretty good attendance for both of those. The question is, why do so many people feel compelled to go to Mass on Ash Wednesday? It's not required. It's not a feast day. It's not a solemnity, even. It's not anything except where we get ashes. So why are people drawn to that? And I'm guessing if we did not give ashes out, there'd be very few people that would show up. They would just treat it like any other day of the week. So I figure there's two reasons why people are so drawn to Ash Wednesday, why they want that symbol. One of the reasons is a good reason, the other reason is not so good. So we'll start off with the not so good reason. I think there's a lot of people that actually just feel like when they get marked with this, that ashes, they can leave here feeling like somehow I'm special. Look at me, I've got this mark on my head. I went to some holy day on Ash Wednesday because I'm so awesome. And it draws attention to them. And it kind of reminds you of you know, our own, quote, goodness. It's exactly the exact opposite reason why we should be showing up because Jesus tells us not to do things for the sake of getting any type of attention. It's not about us. But I think the other reason so many people are drawn to this day is because of that ashes on our forehead remind us of our own lowliness. It reminds us that we struggle with our sinfulness and we need God's mercy, that we are indeed in need of help and we want to come before God acknowledging how desperate we are for that. 
so it becomes a struggle between acknowledging our loneliness, but also pumping ourselves up a little bit too much. We struggle with this battle with ourself versus God. So if I was to ask all of us, who's the most important person in the world, you're all going to say who? God is, right? Until we deal with the situation where our own personal comfort, our own, our own wants and desires are somehow in conflict, and then suddenly God takes a backseat to us. But we deal with the struggle of that temptation of giving ourselves over to the different sins. And the devil works on us very well with these. And all sins fall into three categories, which Jesus was quite aware of. Three categories are our ego, meaning that we want to think we're number one, we're first, we get to make the rules, it's all about us. Bodily pleasures, what feels good to us. And then security, possessions, material possessions. The seven deadly sins are classified from these three categories, they all fall into them. And these are the three categories that every sin that we ever commit falls into. And the devil used those in the very beginning to bring down Adam and Eve. And he continues to use them against us. But Ash Wednesday is the day for us to turn that around. If anyone was here at my homily this last weekend, sorry, you, you missed out, you knew that what I was saying is that sin tends to beget sin. It's like that itch that we scratch and it keeps getting worse and worse. We feed our desires the wrong thing, it does not satisfy our desires, it just makes them more intense. Well, every time we're hungry, if we want to eat garbage food, it doesn't satisfy The Next time we're hungry, we want to go after garbage food. Soon we lose desire for anything but that type of garbage food. When we have money, we don't want to let go of that. And we keep holding on to money and thinking that somehow I need a little bit more to be secure, it only makes us want even more. Have you noticed that no rich person ever says, I've had enough? They're always wanting to get more. We get lazy, feel a little bit tired, and we don't want to, we want to sleep a little bit more. Well, it becomes a habit. I need my eight hours of sleep. Then it becomes eight and a half hours of sleep. Then it becomes eight and a half hours of sleep plus a nap during the day. Then it becomes eight and a half hours of sleep, a nap during the day, and go to bed during Father Thomas's homily. It's just never enough. We keep wanting to feed those desires until we're never satisfied, and we keep pursuing them over and over again. And at Ash Wednesday, Jesus says, stop. Let's put a halt to all that. Let's change the way that we do things. Let's alter our way of being so that we can overcome those temptations rather than constantly giving into them. And that's why he has what we call the threefold pillars of spiritual growth. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Because these are the things that will defeat the three areas that we tend to fall into temptation. Prayer is a recognition that we are not number one, that we need help, that we need to follow somebody else's rules. Prayer is acknowledging that God establishes the way we're supposed to live and we're supposed to follow in that. We don't do a very good job of it. Prayer is setting aside what we want to pursue what God wants. To put ourselves out of the picture a little bit and say, I need to take this time, not for me, but for God. It forces us to go outside of ourselves, to defeat that ego, and diminish the idea that everything is about us. And fasting. How many people here like to fast? I got one person. 
I won't point out who he is because they don't go like, yeah, I'm the person who likes to fast. Why do we, none of us like to fast? Because when you get fasting, what happens? You get hungry. We don't like to be hungry, right? Hunger is an irritation. We want to feed our irritations. We want to get rid of it. Because heaven forbid we actually go hungry for a little bit because that's just a really bad thing. So let's eat. Then let's eat a little bit more. Then after we're done eating a little bit more, let's have dessert. And after dessert, two hours later, let's pick up a couple M&Ms that we happen to see sitting on the side fence or something like that. Because we're never satisfied. And fasting forces us in a situation where we have to acknowledge that weakness and try to overcome it. Fasting helps us to abstain from having to always think about pleasures and having to satisfy them right away. People that struggle with sexual desires, they don't suddenly go away as soon as they look at some picture on the internet. It just feeds that desire and they want it more and more, and soon it's not enough. They're never content. They want to keep finding pleasure in different ways. So Jesus says, let's set that aside. Let's embrace that irritation of bodily desires that's not being satisfied. Go a little bit hungry, feel a little bit frustrated, feel a little bit tired. Instead of trying to get rid of it, accept it. And finally, giving alms. I'm curious how many people to win the lottery ticket. That was for $10 million. How many would give all of it away without thinking? That's what I thought. Why would we even think we need it? Because we want that, and we're afraid to let it go. If somebody said, are you going to give some of that to the church? I said, sure, I might give 10% of it to the church. I'm going to tithe my $10 million to the church because that $9 million is really something I need for my own security. Because heaven forbid I can't buy enough of those M&Ms with $9 million. And Jesus says, let it go. Give alms to recognize that that's not what brings happiness. That's not going to satisfy our desire. You're just going to keep wanting it more and more. The only way to overcome sin is to let go of the very things that we cling to to satisfy sin. And that's when it's a beautiful day to recognize that Jesus has given us an opportunity to defeat the temptations of the devil and to finally turn our life around. Soon you're going to come up for ashes, and I'm going to let the deacon actually earn his pay. He's going to shoot the ashes, and he's going to say this year, repent and believe in the gospel. That word repent does not mean say you're sorry. The word repent means turn your life around. Turn away from the very things that you keep falling into. Turn away from your anger and your greed and the lust and the laziness and the pride and the ego. Turn away from the envy, the jealousy, and all those things we keep falling into, those temptations, because we don't like those temptations, we want to get rid of them. And Jesus says you can't get rid of them by feeding them the things of the world, you can only get rid of them by putting me on, by embracing the cross. That's why we use a cross on Ash Wednesday, because that's the only thing that defeats temptation, embracing the difficulties that come our way. The devil's going to tell us, you shouldn't be tired, for goodness sake. 
rest a little bit. Father talks too much, for God's sake. Just sit down there and go to sleep. I mean, goodness gracious, you can wake up 20 minutes later and he'll still be talking. I mean, it's going to be fine. You don't need to give money to the church. They've got lots of money. I mean, look how lavish we need to be here dressed. We look like we're rich, right? Because we have all this money floating around. We have this beautiful church. We must be just floating in it. Money grows on trees because God can do anything. I need the money more than the church does. Oh, what's wrong with looking at that other picture? It's okay. Women are hot. I mean, God made them beautiful. You should appreciate them, right? To so look at them, stare at them, get excited about them. Well, these are the things the devil tells us that people fall for this trap. And after they fall for this trap, they want more of it. And that satisfaction is never gone. You're always longing for something more. And Ash Wednesday is the time to put a halt to all that and say, let's, let's look at this differently. Let's embrace the temptations, not feed it. Let's accept the irritation of maybe being a little bit angry without calling somebody a name or flipping them off or thinking bad thoughts about them. Let's embrace that somebody might not like us and we pray for them anyways. Let's embrace a little bit of hunger and realize, you know what, we're not going to die if we go hungry for an hour or two hours a day or even a week. Let's embrace being a little bit tired once in a while and using that time for God's glory. Let's embrace maybe not being quite financially secure as we want, realizing that the more we hold on to money, the less we hold on to God. We need to embrace those things if we're ever going to achieve what Lent is all about. It's 40 days of giving up the things of this world to achieve an eternity of holding on to the things of God. It's really not a fair exchange. But we still struggle with that. And these ashes are not just so we can tell the whole world how holy we are. The ashes are to remind us how much we are lacking in holiness at times. To remind us we need God's mercy, His goodness, His grace to be able to overcome. Because we all fall for the lies of the devil. Every one of us. We're all going to go home and something's going to tempt us a little bit. I've got a whole bunch of bags of gummy bears brought in my closet that one of the sisters gave to me. And I have to let go of them for the next 40 days. I'm probably going to come up with an excuse tomorrow for eating them. Because heaven forbid I actually go hungry and be without for a little bit. And the devil's going to work on you as well. And today's the day Jesus says you don't need to de be defeated by the devil because I've already beat him. But I need you to work with me. And the whole purpose of Lent is not that we give up the good things. There's nothing wrong with food. There's nothing wrong with sleep and rest. There's nothing wrong with wanting to feel a little secure. There's nothing wrong with having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with sexual intimacy. There's nothing wrong with any of these things. But when they become our whole life, there's something very wrong with them. And we're willing to hold on to them and let go of God. That makes it completely wrong. Jesus says, when you give, do not know that your left hand know what your right hand is doing. The reason being is because if you had a million dollars in one hand and God in the other, know what your right hand is going to want to do? Find another million dollars. Because we don't want to let go of certain things. And Jesus says, you can't hold on to both. It's me or the world. And actually, Wednesday is the time for us to start holding on to God a little bit more, letting go a little bit of the world.
No person in history has ever found happiness by pursuing the things of the world, ever. But every person who has ever truly pursued God has always found happiness. We know that in our hearts, let's start living in our lives.